Hi, this is Prophet Terry. Come experience the new you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Hallelujah, glory. Oh, it's a joy to be in the house of the Lord. And we welcome the word of the Lord in the house this morning. Hallelujah. There is no other word that can save you than God. There is no other word that can prosper you but God. There is no other right direction but through the word of God. All things come through the word. All things are by the word and for the word. So we just welcome the word of the Lord in the house this morning. Hallelujah. Uh, Let's go to the book of Job. This is the word of the young prophet that was sitting among Job and his three friends. And this is one of the things he spoke to Job. At the end of the book of Job, it says that God spoke to Job out of the storm. But I think, you know, sometimes the Lord speaks out loud publicly. But I think it's probably this same young prophet that was prophesying. Yes. He waited till all the elders had their say. And then he spoke what the Lord had put on his heart. And Job's friends, they kept saying, Job, you had to do something wrong for for your life to be the way it is. And Job says... No, Job justified himself over God, which is a lot of times what we do. Things go on in our life, and those things happen because of us, decisions we made, maybe not a direct sin, but all the distress in your life and the trouble in your life is your decision. That's not God's decision. God didn't wake up one morning and decide to give you trouble. That was your decision-making. But anyway, this young prophet, he finally got through to Job, through the word of the Lord. He says, who are you, Job? That you would justify yourself over God. And it's amazing how many of us justify ourselves. In our distress, in our grief, in our troubles, we justify ourselves. If we are innocent, then we are innocent. But you can never accuse God. You made the decisions in your life. And that's what brought you to the jaws of distress. But the Lord, he is wooing you from the jaws of distress. See, wooing is a, a, a good name for the gospel. He's wooing you to a better life. Uh wooing you to a better life. This we all must understand. We underestimate the spirit of the world because we was born into it, raised up in it, live in it. We're not aware how much the spirit of the world affects us. There's eight billion people in the world and there's not a one one of them that doesn't want to be rich. Hmm? It's not a one of them is not looking for something better. See, that's the spirit of the world. And are they looking for something better? 
Are they looking to be on top for God's glory? No. They may, few may have some religiousness, but that's the spirit of the world. And here you come along and you want to be on top. And you think that's what you want. That's what you want because you're in the spirit of the world. Uh, but the spirit of God is different than the spirit of the world. The spirit of God has peace to it. It has strength to it. Teaches you to enjoy life. The spirit of the world, you'll gain the whole world but forfeit your soul. Because the spirit of the world is just rush, rush, rush. Nothing about enjoying. He is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place without restriction. Uh, verse 13 said that the godless, King James says hypocrites, that in their affliction that they harbor bitterness and resentment towards God. So they're in, they're in suffering, they're in distress, their life is messed up. But rather than say, Lord, save me, they want to blame God. God didn't cause your trouble. That's not the God we serve. Everything God does is good. Jesus has the keys to death and hell. And when you're determined that you want your way or you want to try it your way, and you're just persistent about it, the Lord says, all right. All right. So he loosens you a little bit, hoping, hoping that you will begin to realize, wait a minute, my way is not so good, you know. Uh, my way is not beneficial. And sometimes when you're young, you had a way. And for a few years, your way was good. But now it's not so good. And you're just upset with God. Uh, as if though it was God's fault. Your life never was good. You was making decisions that were not godly. And even the decisions you make in this life, you must understand. If God gave you two days, say, in two days you can do whatever you want. I just going to step back. That does not mean you would prosper, you know. Some of you might come with money. Some of you might come broke. Some of you might come with a knot upside your head. <laughs> Some of you might come pregnant without a husband. Hello, those are your decisions. <clears throat> but the Bible tells us, it actually tells us in verse uh, 15, it tells us that in man's affliction, God will come and talk to you in your trouble. He will come and talk to you. He will try to woo you out of that place. Because the way you're going, your decisions that you think are so good, just because you think your decisions are good and holy does not mean they're going to be successful. Without the Spirit of the Lord, you're just in the spirit of the world. You're just one of the eight billion trying to make it. Huh? Everybody can't make it. So he's trying to woo you from the jaws of distress. Now, 
when it says he is wooing you from the jaws of distress, it means he's, he's trying to entice you to come another way. He's trying to get you to give something up. Listen, that that you're doing, that's not going to make you happy. It's not going to get no better. Try my way. Come follow me. Huh? God is not a dictator. He's a savior. <clears throat> God is not a dictator. He's a savior. Now, every preacher has their own way of preaching the gospel. And sometimes it's presented that, you know, you do it God's way or else. Well, that's true too, you know. It's just a little blunt, but that's true too. Because God's way is the way. But, you know, if you really read the Word of God and you open up your heart to God, you realize He's not no dictator. He didn't decide that you're going to do something in life whether you want to do it or not. Uh, it's already in you to be successful, but not in the spirit of the world. God wants to bring you out in a spacious place without restrictions, but you're going in the wrong direction. Like the prodigal son, he thought he'd take his money and thought it would never run out. Uh, lucky for him, he had a father that loved him so that when he was broke, huh? did that father go into town and cause him to make bad decisions and spend all his money huh? on romance and wild living? No, that was his decision. See, God gives you life, but you think you know best. You need to come to a place in your distress when your life is in a mess the gospel is wooing you to a better life. Not confinement. Not trying to take you to church and chain you to a pew. Uh, he's wooing you to a better life. Yeah? Wooing you to a better life. I said this this morning, and I'll say it again. I don't care if you come to church every Sunday or not. That's your business. That's between you and God. But you know, good is good, and Good can always be better, you know. That's your decision. Ain't no restrictions in this house. You can have all the religion in the world. You don't impress me. What impresses me is when I see Jesus moving in your life. Uh, and God is not mocked. We reap what we sow. Or, you know, we reap the decisions we make. But there's a counselor. The Lord said, I'm going to send you a counselor. There's a counselor that woos you, tries to help you make good decisions. Hmm? Or maybe in the place, just help you to enjoy where you are. But he's wooing you from the jaws of distress. That means there's, there's some distress in your life that wants to, like some kind of beast, it just wants to gobble you up until you're gone. Your, your mind is mad. You, you can't think straight. You don't have no loving thoughts in your head. Everything is just chaos. You're just trying to figure out how you're going to get even with somebody or how you're going to make a dollar. You know, we love to hustle, you know. We, we love to hustle, you know. If, if we, you know, we'd rather, have, we'd rather have one daughter that we hustle for all day 
than $10 that might be from God and we'd have to give God credit for it. We like to hustle. We like to do it our own way. Because 8 billion people are the spirit of the world. Everybody wants to be on top. But they don't want God to put them on top. See, here's the thing about God. When you accept Him, you're already on top. You don't have to be on top to be on top. Uh, oh, no. This is the thing about life. I, I wish everybody to be prosperous, but prosperous means nothing if your soul don't prosper, if your heart's not prospering, if your mind's not prospering. Huh? Huh? The best of foods you can't enjoy unless you have God. Huh? So he's wooing you out of all your distress because you made those decisions. He's saying, hey, there's a, there's a better way. Follow me. I know what you want. I created you. He's not no dictator, you know. He's not trying to confine you and chain you up religiously, make you sit in church all day long. Huh? All the prophets in the house that are here all day long, we ain't got no chains on us. Huh? Gates open during the day, we could run off if we want to. No, the Lord has put it in our hearts. This is, this is what we want. This is what I want. I, there's no other life I want. This is what I want. So he's wooing us, you know, to a spacious place. That means not congested. Uh, not back an hour-ish. It's just a place of peace. It's spacious. Yes? It don't have to be a big house, but it's spacious. It's spacious for you. It's nice, you know. And there's not a lot of restrictions and things like that. You know, you got to have some rules here and there, but it's not like there's a lot of restrictions. It's not like being in prison. And so there's freedom. And then he's, you know, he's wooing us to the comfort of your table laden with choice foods. Yes. Now try not to let your flesh see that vision or you'll get hungry. But let your spirit man see that vision. See, the beautiful thing about that table with choice foods is the beautiful thing is not eating all of it. Huh? The beautiful thing is about having it. Uh, your choice food. Mm, I like this. I like. You don't have to eat so much, you know. Uh, it's just the fact that you're so blessed. See the vision. See the vision. Now, somewhere in the church world, we started giving thanks for food. You know, every time we eat, we give thanks for food. Sometimes it's fast prayer, fast food. And there's really not no place in the Bible where that comes from, you know. Because when you think about Jesus, some people will run to the Last Supper, and there's nothing ever said you had to do it that way all the time. But in, in some of the Gospels, he gave thanks afterwards, not in the beginning, you know. Or he gave thanks in the middle of the meal, after they already eat the uh, lamb, you know. Some people think it was just bread and wine there, but there was lamb there. It was a Passover. Huh? So I don't know if it was boiled or baked or what. But. And so, you know, but, but I think it's a good thing to pray. But sometimes, you know, fast food, fast prayer. I, the thing I, I've learned about food is I like to give thanks in the beginning, you know. But I like to give thanks in the middle of it too, you know. Sometimes I just like to sit back and look at it. Uh, you know, enjoy it. Uh, 
Yes. Yolanda made me a special meal the other night for the old house, but I just look and sit back and I'll take me a bite and I enjoy it. Huh? When you got the spirit of the world, you nothing gobble that thing down. Huh? By the time you said amen, you was chewing on the last bone. <laughs> and I like to give thanks when it's over, you know. Wow. That was good, God. That was good. One time, several years ago, my granddaughter, we went out to eat, and, and so her mother knew I was going to say grace over the food, you know. So we prayed over the food. And, you know, she was, I don't know, about nine and ten, quite outspoken. She says, Granddaddy, I could be praying for the food and giving thanks for it before you tasted it. <laughs> it's just quite, it's a pretty good question, you know. Why, why, why are you doing that? You know, uh, you, you ain't even opened it up yet, you know. You're just giving thanks for it. Uh, that's like having a bride you've never met before and you ain't pulled the veil up, you know. Just, Lord, I thank you. <laughs> You, you don't know what you're going to get when you pull that veil up, you know. Uh. <laughs> so, so I went on to tell her it's about faith. But the truth is, I find myself giving thanks for food. The beginning, the middle, and ending. Not to be religious, you know. But just thank God. Uh, and you know what's the nice thing about nice food? Huh? Ain't no backing out going on outside your door. Yeah. I'm a man of peace. I love peace. I sit in peace, you know. Huh? Ain't going to answer no phone. Only the devil would call me during dinner. <laughs> Anything else can wait. <laughs> so I, I'm not worshiping food here now, you know. I, I enjoy what God gives me. See, he, he wants you to have that kind of table. He wants you to have that kind of attitude about everything. Yes. That's why I'm in communion. It says, you know, some of you eating all the food up. Some of you drinking. You know, don't you have houses to, to eat and drink in? No, you wait on it. It's, it's about the fellowship. So even if it's your home at night, you know, some of you at your home at night, One's dipping out of the pot, and they were taking off that way, and one digging out of the pot, they taking off the other way. Uh, I ain't trying to dictate to your home, but I'm just saying, you're missing something. See, that food, you eat it, it, it comes and goes, even if it's your favorite food. I find your favorite food don't stay inside of you no longer than your unfavorite food. Uh, but the thankfulness for that food, huh? The thankfulness for life. And see, it, it, that starts right now with God. But in the wooing, see, he wants to get you to that place and to a better place and to a spacious place. He don't want all that back and now in your life and all that frustration in your life and all that frustration at your workplace. Listen, that's, that's you trying to do the best you can do in the dark. But he is the light. And he has a better life for you. Hmm? In John chapter 11, verse 48, uh, it is revealed a little bit more why the Pharisees and most of the, the just of the Pharisees, the leaders, why they were so set on killing Jesus. 
It said, if Jesus continues to do these miracles, this is John 11, 48, if Jesus continued to do these minutes, these miracles, and right before that is when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. It says, it, and they all come together, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They come together. That's, that's like the Pentecostal and the Evangelicals come together. Whenever you see the Pentecostals and the Evangelicals and the Catholics come together for a meeting, it's serious, you know. They, they, they don't do that, you know. So... <laughs> The Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the other C's, that they come together, they say, listen, if this man keeps doing this, everybody's going to believe in him. And then the Romans are going to come and take away our place, our position, and take away our nation. Huh? So we, we know that the Pharisees was jealous of Jesus, but they was also fearful. Because even though they didn't like being under the Romans, which represents the world, they was there. And they felt like, okay, we got some control. We, you know, we kind of, we got the world working for us, you know. And it was even said in a verse before, right below that, that the high priest that you prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. But, so, from the time he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nations, and not only the nations, but to bring in the lost sheep, they, they, they felt more compelled to kill him. But here's the thing. The prophecy was twisted. <laughs> so it was not the prophecy of God. The man prophesied to kill Jesus. But listen, even though that was said, that was deception working in them. Because they was afraid they're going to lose their place in life. If, if Jesus kept winning people over, because they didn't know what Jesus was about. And they was afraid that was just going to upset everything. And see, the point I'm trying to get to right now is they killed Jesus. Before they killed Jesus, Jesus came into Jerusalem and he says, if you only knew the peace, if you only knew what I've come to offer you. But instead, your city is left desolate. If you only knew, if you'd only accepted me. So here it is. They disregard the wooing of Christ and the wooing of God inside. Ain't nobody ever done that many miracles. Inside they knew who Christ was. But they was afraid of losing their place in life, their place in the world. Jesus said, if you only knew. And so they killed him. 36 years later, the Romans come and destroyed the city, killed many of them, put the rest of them in slavery. And the high priest prophesied this man going to die, you know, to save us. But they was killing the Savior. Uh, so it's like that. You try to save your life in this world, but you're losing it. You choose the world over God. 36 years later, that's not no long period of time, you know. A few years later, the thing you was trying to save yourself from comes upon you. You killed the Savior. Jesus comes into your life to save your life. Listen, he don't come to you when you're young to save you for when you're old. 
He's not coming to save you so that you'll be in heaven one day. He's coming to save your life. He's coming to make your life better. And he comes to you. But sometimes you don't like the way he comes. Sometimes he says, you know, in his wooing, he says, you know, he's wooing you from the jaws of distress. But you like the jaws of distress. He's trying to take you away from there, but you're trying to hold on to it. Hmm? Hmm. The Jews didn't like the Rome. They, they didn't like Rome being under, under, they didn't like being under the control of the Romans. But they thought they had, okay, all right. This ain't too bad in the world. We can, we can do this. But this Jesus guy, he's going to get us all killed. But the thing they feared 36 years later happened. The Romans come and wiped them out. And so you, you continue. You know, you, you think God's wooing and the wooing of the gospel, you start to think it's nagging. The preacher's always saying, the prophet's always saying, you think it's nagging. You think you know best. Huh? Listen, if God gives you all the freedom in the world, there's no guarantee you're going to be successful. Because you've got to remember there's eight billion other people that wants what you want. And are you so talented? I understand you might like to boast, but are you so talented to fight off eight billion people? Uh, in Trinidad, there's two million people. They all want to be on top. You have that stamina. You have that education. You have that strength. Uh, no matter what kind of businesses you start, somebody going to get jealous. They don't like your success. No matter how good a job you get, somebody in your family is going to get jealous. Uh, that by itself is enough to make you run to God. Because uh, the odds of you being successful is like a lotto. But with God. So you, you're walking around in the dark, walking around in the unknown, trying to make good decisions. I'm going to have a wonderful life. But you're in the darkness. And when the light shows up, nah, I don't know about that. I, I don't know about that. Preacher's always saying this. Prophet's always saying this. I don't know about that. Uh, and I'm not saying you do everything a preacher or a pastor says, but you need to pray. That might be God trying to talk to you, you know. Uh, he's wooing you away from the distress, away from the bad decisions you've made in life. There's nothing that God can't fix. There's nothing that a little light can't get you out of that. Hmm? And see, this is the thing. You know, you, you mess your life up. You get to a place in life where nothing's working for you. You got condemnation all over you. You got judgment all over you. And you want to blame people. And you want to say, this people's, this person's using me. That person's using me. This person's using me. Listen, that's the route you took a long time ago. It's just raising its head. It's like that beast coming up out of the sea. You're starting to begin to see what it is. 
It says when the angel gets ready to sound the seventh trumpet, the mystery of God will be, uh, it will be revealed. Up to then is a mystery. So you're following something that's under the sea. You're following the beast, which is basically just the world wanting to make a name for itself. And it's, you know, eight billion people are following the same thing, you know. And so you don't realize how your life is getting like this. But the light is talking to you. Jesus is trying to woo you. He wants to bring you out in a spacious place. Huh? But wooing, wooing is, first of all, that's a romantic word. That's when a young lady is not paying no attention to you, but you begin to woo her. You want to woo her over to your side. Maybe woo her over to liking you. Yes, Ellie, you had any wooers lately? <laughs> <laughs> May the Lord send you a good wooer. Uh, but mark my word, Jesus is the best wooer. So that word is sometimes a romantic word. It means you're trying to win the person over. Because uh, you want to take them home, you know. So they wash dishes cook <laughs> but Jesus ain't like that you know we're his servants but but it's a joyful thing you know we're not in no kind of bondage so the light of God is trying to woo you so if it's trying to woo you it means it's trying to pull you away from some type of thinking it's trying to pull you away from some mindset huh huh you know some mindset. There's a, there's a couple in here right now. You're suspicious of everybody. I don't know if you're brave enough to identify yourself, but there's a couple in here. You're suspicious of everybody. You're suspicious of family. You're suspicious of friends. You're suspicious of everybody. Huh? Now, I admit the devil's everywhere, but so is God. You're suspicious of everything. And you're so suspicious, you, you almost got to the place you don't trust each other. Uh, that's some real suspicion, isn't it? Actually, it's the same suspicion. It's just growing in your environment. So you, you always think somebody's against you. Think somebody's against your family, somebody against your children. See, God wants to get you out of that place. Uh, you're in that place. The mind, you know, the mind is everything, you know. Uh, you, you can't even enjoy your favorite food if you ain't got a good mind, you know. you chewing on him, you ain't getting no taste. Uh, everything's about the mind. God gives you peace. Uh, the Bible says, God shall soon crush Satan beneath your feet. That means don't you get up and try to do no rain dance or no devil dance. You just wait. Devil gonna come by, God said, raise your foot there. All right, put it down on it. That's that simple. Your troubles can be over with that quickly. Huh? The wooing of God, the light of the gospel. He's trying to lead you to a better place. But when it says wooing you from the jaws of distress, you would think, who wouldn't want to get away from the jaws of distress? And I see in this vision, I see in this vision this big old lion. 
got his mouth open. He ready to devour you. And the Lord said, come, 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 come. Come away from there. But you say, nice kitty. <laughs> and the lion is saying, nice lunch. <laughs> nice kitty. Nice world. Nice world. No, I, I, I like my life. But you know your life ain't going nowhere. Uh, you, you know you don't enjoy anything in life. The Lord wakes you up sometimes and says, Hey, why'd I give you life if you're not going to enjoy it? Huh? Blessings going to come your way. But I want you to enjoy them when you get them, you know. Huh? You get a new car. You're up all night long peeping out the window. Making sure somebody ain't taking your battery or scratching it. God give you a new car so you can stay up all night? Huh? See, there's eight billion other people that want your car, you know. And you know it. And you fighting with the world. But when you know God gave you a car. Hmm? When you know God gave you a car. And even somebody steal it. God going to give you a bigger one. You're not going to go down that road. Hmm? So like the Jews, you know, they, they tried to save their little empire. And they saw Jesus as a threat. You know, don't come around here talking all that, that stuff, you know. See, the gospel comes like that. It's not a nag. It comes wooing you because you're going in the wrong direction. Huh? Jesus loves you. Now, some preachers might present it, you know, uh, you know, a little rougher, but every preacher's got their style. But the God I know woos me, you know. He says, no, 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 no. And I like to listen to his voice, you know, because I found out he's smarter than me. And I found out whatever he says come to pass. And I find out no matter how wonderful I think my plan is, or no matter how much I might want to trust somebody, the Lord says, no, 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 no. See, the light talking. See, everything in me, in the spirit of the world, still wants to do it because I'm enticed. This, this is what I want to do. But God says, no. See, you come to a place where you trust the Holy Spirit. You trust Jesus. You may not know everything about Jesus. But you come to your trust the light. And sometimes you, you know, you, you, you're still trying to figure the light out and trying to figure Jesus out, you know, and, you know, what's the best way to pray, you know, that type of thing. And the truth is, it's more about just being real with God, you know. But He guides you, He'll direct you. Sometimes He might not speak to you, you know, audibly. But you can always trust. See, when anybody says, I don't want to just do what I want to do. I don't want to just do what the world wants me to do. Lord, what is the right decision here? Hmm? Even if it's marriage and you just, you know, you're just falling head over heels, you know, and you just really hope God doesn't say no. But, but you come to God and you say, Lord, I know you know what's best. Uh, probably should have prayed that prayer before you fell in love, but it's easier that way, you know. 
you know, same way with anything in the world, you should pray that prayer before you fall in love with some new car, new house, whatever. You should say, Lord, I trust you. And even if you don't speak, can you imagine God? Think about God for a minute. Think about the character of God. He sees someone blind, don't know what they're doing. He sees them, you know, they want something. Maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just lust. But he sees them on their knees. Or he sees them crying out to him for guidance. What God do you serve that wouldn't answer that prayer? Listen, I don't care how much your grandmother's money you stole. God ain't interested in what you've stolen. He's interested in if you will quit stealing. Hmm? What's been done is done. I don't care how much you've messed up in life. When you go down on those knees and you say, Lord, listen, I've tried my way. My way was not too honest. My way was not too noble and it definitely wasn't successful. I've tried my way. But Lord, I believe in what the prophet says. I'm going to try your way. Huh? And I'm not going to worry about if I'm praying right because I know you hear everything. You hear the wicked in all their plans. I know you hear me when I'm trying to halfway do what is right. Don't tell me what kind of God you serve that would not listen to you. Uh, the God of heaven don't hold grudges, you know. The God of heaven, he just wants to see you change your life. He wants to see you go in a prosperous way. And the God of heaven is not about getting even with you. He's about you seeing his light and his wooing and you following him and then you begin to be a witness of God. Huh? I was blind but now I see. I was blind but now I see. That's what God's interested in. Now, in the book of Revelation, right after the uh, sixth seal, John said he saw a great multitude and the elder that was talking to John he says who are these John says I don't know you know who they are but he saw this great multitude before the throne and before God and he's worshiping and the elder told John see sometimes, you, sometimes Christians we think we know everything we need to let heaven tell us what things are and the elder said these are those that come out of the great tribulation. A great multitude. Nobody couldn't count them. He said, these are those that come out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. They come out of the tribulation. The tribulation, now at this point, they, these individuals, if you go on the regional, the shepherds are going to lead them to springs of living water. They're not really dead, but it's, it's in the spirit. John is seeing this great multitude. And they come out of the tribulation. What is the tribulation? That's eight billion people trying to be on top. That's eight billion people trying to fight you down. Huh? 
And probably 15 of them is your family. Now before you get into the amen thing. Remember you came from that same family. Uh, you know. And sometimes we just don't realize how greedy we are. And sometimes we don't realize how jealous we are. Uh, we just want to be on top so much we don't realize how much we're walking in the wrong spirit. Uh, we don't realize how jealous we get when our brother or our sister prospers or they get a blessing or they get a house. Huh? I was talking to someone the other day. You must know how to go to somebody's house and, and enjoy their hospitality. Huh? And that house is just like your house because the person is hospitable. They, 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 they want you to be comfortable so you enjoy it. But people of the world, you can't do that. You go to that house and you start thinking about what you would do if you had this house. Or you start to think about what you want your house to look like. So you can't even enjoy the person's house, you know. Mm. You can't enjoy the person's house. I took a few days off and went by Nicole. It was, she's a very hospitable boy. It was just like, you know, I felt comfortable there for a few days. Uh, JL and a few others went with me. We just kind of relaxed. Mostly I just tried to get some sunshine. You know that thing everybody always cursing and saying it's so hot. <laughs> I get out there in the middle of the day and just walking on the pavement. God is good to be alive. Uh, and I think about the breeze more than the heat. <laughs> and Shauna went with me. We went big circle. She says, Daddy, you don't sweat? What is there the sweat about? Uh, the sun is good. Uh, you have cool thoughts. You have cool thoughts. You don't sweat. But if you're cursing that sun, what God created to give you life and put some vitamin D in your body. Uh, see, you must, you must learn. But some people, they go to somebody's house and you can't enjoy your stay there. Huh? Somebody invites you over to dinner. You can't enjoy it. You think about, what could I serve that would put me on top? Uh, you can't enjoy somebody's house that showed you some hospitality. Your mind won't let you. The, the, the spirit of the world, your mind won't let you enjoy that house. You think about, when I get a house, I'm going to do this. Huh? You know, we have, a, we have family meetings on Wednesday night. In case there's anybody in here who don't know about it, you can talk to Nicole on Wednesday nights. We have family meetings, we meet in different people's houses. But see, some people can't, don't know how to do that. You go to your, your brother or sister's house, you know, brother or sister in the Lord, and you go to their house and, oh, they did that. I got to go do that to my house. Uh, they got that. Uh, and I mean, it's okay to have some, some inspiration, but hello, do you remember what you ate? Uh, did, you, did you tell them how much you enjoyed their hospitality? Uh, 
You can be such a blessing, you know, just visiting somebody. Not all the time at supper time, but, you know, <laughs> when they invite you, you know. You can be such a blessing, but can you go there? Can you go there and relax? How much does the spirit of the world won't let you relax? Huh? huh? Or you see, you see one of the family... Uh, one of the houses, they got a nice car. What they do to get that car? Because hmm? I know they don't make that much money. How can they afford that and afford this? Your mind is, is, is corrupt. The spirit of the world, you, you can't enjoy it. Or maybe you're a young couple, you know. Huh? Maybe you're a young couple. You ain't got no house at all. You're living in some extension in the back of grandma's house or something. You ain't got no... And you're just going there and you... You're just going there and you... You ain't got no peace, you know. You ain't got no peace. You're going there to, you know, have fellowship and worship God, but you ain't got no peace, you know. The old spirit of the world won't give you no peace. Got you all over the place. Huh? You can't even think. You don't remember what you ate. You just all over the place, you know. Hmm? Yeah. We had a couple one time that went to family's meetings. Oh, Lord. That young lady went bonkers. <laughs> I mean, here it is. She's been waiting for years to have a husband. So she's engaged, you know. And she goes bonkers. So if you ever invite anybody over to your house and, and, and it looks like the Matrix or something, they go, <gasps> I wouldn't invite them back, you know. <laughs> it's just so sad you don't have no peace, you can't enjoy something. Uh, can't enjoy something. don't have to be the finest to be the best it's the mind uh, so one thing Christ pulls us away from is the spirit of the world now other good things gonna happen when he says a spacious place without restrictions he's not talking all spiritual don't think God is talking all spiritual no he wants you to have some nice things but he wants his child to be able to enjoy it he don't want some lustful spirit to have it. And you have it and all you want is more, 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 more. Huh? You can't sit in your home and enjoy it because you're thinking about, how could I make this better than the neighbor's house? Everybody want to be on top. Huh? You, you can't enjoy it. So, I want to make it clear. You know, first, we got to get away from the spirit of the world. But don't think God is just talking spiritual. God wants you to have a better place. He wants you to have your own house. Hard. You see, you say yes, Lord, but it's hard for you to believe. I see your mind. Think, how's that going to happen? Huh? I ain't met no rich man. How's that going to happen? God, how are you going to do that? 
See, but the Lord says, I want you to have your own house. You don't have to figure it out. Ah, but I see your mind. Your, your mind can't believe it, you know. Ah, I, I'm going to extend some faith to you because you don't have the faith. You say, yes, Lord. You know, you, you, you've been house trained. You know, like some little pooch. You've been trained to scratch on the door when you need to go outside and pee. So you've been house trained. You've been church trained. Yes, Lord. I receive, Lord. But your head calling you a liar, you know. A decent prophet knows it. He knows when he gives you a prophecy, you don't believe a word of it. Uh, but this prophet, sometimes I, I give somebody a prophecy, they don't believe a word of it. But I'm a nice prophet. So I don't say, I don't, I don't, I don't boof you. But I try to say something else to encourage you. Uh, that God has better for you. But you got to believe it. Huh? You got to believe it. See, your decision sometimes gets you in a down and out place. Your decision sometimes gets you to a lonely place. Your decision sometimes gets your mind to a place where you don't think nobody cares about you. Hmm? Your decisions get you to a place where you think everybody's lying to you, even God lying to you. Listen, as I've said before, God don't have to lie to you. He don't have to speak to you. Uh, he's not a liar. So if God speaks to you, it's not a lie. But if you call him a lie and you resent it, Huh? You resent it. You know, I, I've met a lot of people. I've met some people, you know. You try to give them a gift and they're so greedy, you know. But, you know, it, it, they take your fingerprints off when they take the money, you know. You didn't have time to release it, you know. <laughs> but, but I've seen some other people, you, you try to bless them some way or another. Money, different things, you try to bless them. It's like they don't know what to do. They want it, but their pride. Huh? And I'm not talking about that somebody's coming in asking you for something. You just feel to bless somebody. But their pride is it's like it's fighting with the blessing. It's like, oh, 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 thank you, thank you. But inside you, you realize, oh, huh, I blessed them and hurt their feelings all at the same time. Uh, and, and what I realize is God is like that. He, he wants to bless you. But see, sometimes the spirit of the world, you want to do it by yourself. You want it to be the work of your hands. So you can boast and say, I worked hard. I worked hard and did this. This is my witness. I didn't do nothing. God just gave it to me. Huh? See, I ain't much boasting myself. That's what I like to say. I didn't do nothing I didn't even ask for it. it. It's just there. See, God wants you to be a witness. Once you fall in love with God, you ain't going to struggle with temptations and things like that because you know all that's foolishness. You know he's life. God don't hold grudges. Uh, he holds life. One of my favorite scriptures is close to a famous scripture. But I'm not like the world. Hmm? One of my favorite scriptures is close to a famous scripture. The famous scripture is John 3.16. 
But the one I like the most is John 3, 17. It says, Jesus did not come to condemn, but to save. So whenever the light of God shows up in your bedroom, whenever the light of God shows up when you're crying, and sometimes you're crying hopelessly, you don't even think God hears you, you're just crying to, to relieve your pain, and God shows up in there. A little light shows up and talks to you. And if you follow that little light, it's gonna make you prosperous. And not only physically, but spiritually, so you can enjoy it. God is real. He don't hold grudges. He come to save. Didn't come to condemn. See, if he come to condemn, he'd come and, and remind everybody how wicked they are. And punish them. God didn't come to do that. Don't matter what your lifestyle was. It's what it is. Huh? Yes, when Jesus talks to you, that's what brings destruction in your life. When the Lord talks to you and you say that his wooing is nagging. Huh? Sometimes you feel like the gospel is nagging you. Jesus is nagging you. Huh? Somebody's always telling you about Jesus. Somebody always telling you to trust in God. Somebody telling you to change your ways. Well, I understand that some Christians are a little overbearing. But what made them to what made them pick you to peck on so much? Uh, so maybe they they could have done it nicer. But out of the blue, this person just starts preaching to you, huh? And you trying to slip out of your house without them seeing you, and you trying to avoid them because you know if you get around them, they're gonna preach to you. You know, huh? why did they set their sights on you? Huh? So maybe they're not the, not the most eloquent preacher, but you gotta ask yourself, why is this person continuing to preach to me or say something to me? See, as an angel, the Lord is sent. Even the person may not know why they're picking on you so much. Huh? Or they may call you and talk to you. You think, well, who, who are they to be talking to me? They're not that good a Christian. Who are they talking to me? See, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Your focus needs to be, why does God love you so much? Huh? That he calls somebody that's not as good as you to talk to you. Huh? That's your focus. Huh? Like those Pharisees, they worried about the, their appearance in the world. Not realizing the world's going to destroy them quite shortly. The world's going to overcome them. Daniel talks about that they made a covenant for, for one seven or for seven years. And in the middle is when they took away the sanctuary and the sacrifices. The world offers you these deals. The world says, hey, do it this way. You're going to be successful. There's a voice talking to you, but it's not the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of the world talking to you. Huh? But the light shows up. Don't reject him. Don't say the gospel's nagging you. Huh? 
don't don't let yourself get in that place where you say, ah, preachers always talking, preachers always talking, preachers always talking about God is good, preachers always talking about God wants to bless you. I don't see no blessing. So you got resentment towards God. Uh, God is trying to save you from the jaws of distress. Because if you stay in that place, it probably ain't going to get no better, you know. Probably going to get worse. That little kitty that you're trying to pet is going to eat you. Uh, the world going to eat you alive. Ain't going to get no better. But see, your pride, the spirit of the world, you, you, you're so vexed that you're not successful. You're so vexed that you ain't got money to you're so vexed that you can't, you can't do what you used to do. And that's not to say what you used to do is even godly. But you're so vexed you, ain't, you can't do this. You're so vexed now. You know, you can't go out to eat all the time. You got to eat some rice. And you're so vexed now that you can't, you can't take people out to eat and, and show off and, and boast and talk about your old life, you know. Because Why? Because your old life has brought you to this place. God didn't decide to disrupt your life. Your life was disrupted from the time you chose to go in the spirit of the world. See, what you got to realize is when you plant some corn in the garden, you know, it comes up small and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But even corn has ears. But some of us don't have no ears, you know. We just stalks. <laughs> Hello. Humor is from God. I didn't see that one coming. I just heard about it. Um, but see, your ways, you know, your ways is it's like somebody don't know nothing about gardening. And you planted a weed out there. I'm not talking about the kind you smoke. I'm talking about just a plain old weed, you know. And so you're taking that weed and you're nurturing it. You think it's a, a mango tree or something. I don't know. You're nurturing that weed. And that weed is growing up, you know. You can't, you can't even smoke it, you know. It's just a weed. It growing up, you know. And you're so proud of your weed, you know. You're so proud of it. It's becoming the biggest plant in your whole garden, you know. You're just proud of it, you know. Uh, you you think, hmm, I wonder when this I wonder when this uh, weed is gonna start bearing some mangoes, <laughs> and the weed ain't bearing nothing. Uh, your weed ain't bearing nothing, but you've been nurturing and taking care of it. See. That's what it's like. You make wrong decisions. It starts off small. Uh, and it gets bigger. And it gets bigger to its, its destruction or its embarrassment because then your neighbor comes over and uh, who's quite the gardener expert. And he never says, what you doing that big old wheat? <laughs> so you, you get shamed in life, you know. Uh, you, get, you should have done some research or Googled or done something, you know. But see, those decisions that you think are cute and innocent, those decisions you think, ah, 
probably not the best thing to do, but God understands. Uh, those are those romantic covenants and deals that you make, you know, these type of things, you know, putting the horse before the before the carriage, you know, you put the horse at the back of the carriage, you know, the horse goes in front, you get things backwards and, and see some of these things, you know. They look innocent and cute, but as they grow up, it gets worse in your life. And as they grow up, it brings condemnation in your life. Huh? If you did something a long time ago that you feel guilty about, that guilt doesn't say small. And that guilt does not stay in the past. It's in your present. And it grows like a tumor. It grows. But when you come out of the tribulation, when you wash your robe, then you're free of that. Huh? But see, that, those bad decisions and those guilty decisions that you made in your life are getting bigger. And then it gets you to a place of distress in life. It's at a place where ain't nothing happening. Huh? Ain't nothing happening. There was a time in your life when you can make money anywhere. You can make it easy. Hmm? There's a time in your life when you can find a date. It's easy. Huh? Now you can't even find an old man with a roadie belly. Huh? Everything dried up, you know. <laughs> yeah. Your life dried up, ain't uh, You was on top. Listen, in this world, you don't stay on top long. You might be on top of your game, and you might be the top of your friends, but you don't stay on top long. If the world ain't going to let you stay up there too long, you know. But you make decisions, and you mess your life up, and you have to humble yourself and get out of the spirit of the world and say, Lord, it's true. I made these decisions. And the Lord is trying to woo you to a better life. But it woos you. It says, woo you away from the jaws of distress. Now, you would think that anybody would appreciate somebody that's trying to get you away from the jaws of distress. Maybe you didn't know those were the jaws of distress. So you'd be thankful for anybody that would try to get you away from that. But it's, it's strange how your mind get messed up. Like the high priest prophesied. You, you start to think you like the jaws of distress. I just need God to quit being so rough on me. But this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to have. I know this is what I'm supposed to do. But it ain't never brought you no peace. So you don't even recognize this is the jaws of distress. See, in order for God to woo you, see, that's like romance. When God's wooing you, he's trying to get you to let go of something. You'd think most people will let go of the jaws of distress, but sometimes we're just so set on our ways and what we want. And God's saying, come away from that. Come on, it's time to change your life. He's wooing you. The gospel's wooing you. Jesus said this by grace. Come follow me. Huh? I'll make you prosperous. Yes, come follow me. Even in the verses above that, it says that if you if you submit to God in your afflictions, that he will lift you up and make you prosperous. And that's exactly what he did to Job. He lifted him up out of all of his distress. After Job realized and accepted the fact he wasn't as smart as God. Hmm. Okay. See, anytime when you think 
you know what your problem is. And anytime you think that God is the one not letting you be blessed, and anytime you're thinking that, you know, this and this and this, see, you are accusing God. No, you created that. God didn't create that. God created a better life for you, a spacious life without restriction. He, he's got a table for you, your own table where you can enjoy that food. Not eat all of it, you know, but you can enjoy that food. That's the life God has for you. And it's amazing to me. It's, it's, it's confusing. I understand it, but I don't understand it. You know, as a prophet, you know, you, you hear the Lord speaking. You ain't got no reason to speak nothing else. God has something better for you. But why people can't let go? Let me tell you something about prophecies. When God gives you a prophecy, many times it's to pull you away from something and pull you into something. Hmm? Hmm. Now let's just say if you want a house and the Lord gives you a prophecy. See, if you could obtain the house by the spirit of the world that you're moving in right now, God would not have to say nothing. The prophecy comes that you would give up your way of doing it. The prophecy comes not only to bless your life, but that prophecy is telling you to give up your way. Almost all prophecies, you, you don't hear it, but it's there. It's saying, give up your way and trust me. It's saying, I got a vehicle for you. Yes? I got it. But see, you can't let go of the thought of how am I going to get this vehicle? God said he's going to get me a vehicle. How am I going to do it? If God said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. But how am I going to do it? You start thinking about, okay, I, I could go take a loan. Hmm? And you don't have enough money to take a loan, so you take a loan from somebody else. So you can take a loan. You know, anybody ever do that? Take a loan from somebody so you could you know, take another loan so you could take another loan so you could qualify. And see, so you trying to do it yourself. And then it ends up in one big mess. And you want to say, God, you promised me this vehicle. God didn't promise you all that distress. He says, I have a vehicle for you. Huh? In all prophecies, the just of the prophecy is you can't do it. I'm going to do it. Amen. Now sometimes a prophecy might come and say, listen, you continue. You're going to be successful. That's because God says, I'm with you in this. So you need encouragement. But sometimes God is telling you, hey, let go. Now if a prophet is a prophet, a prophet is a prophet. If a prophet's had any experience, He's experienced. So when a prophet prophesies, he knows whether or not if you received it. Now you may be house trained. I receive, I receive, I receive. You're lying. But I ain't going to tell you that. Huh? Just the thought of a man or thought of a car or thought of $12,000, you jump. But did you, you didn't jump because you believe. You jumped because you wanted. That's not faith. Somebody hear me? So sometimes you get excited. Huh? 
prophet says, thus and thus, I have this for you. And you get excited. Because that's what you want. Huh? But then it don't come to pass and you think, prophet just read my mind lying to me. God lying to me. Uh, God's always promised me and it never come in the past. See, but see, you don't understand. Uh, you get excited. People get excited. You know, there's a few people that don't. Uh, and then God proves himself. That's all right. You know, you, you, what faith you have, you have. But sometimes your desires, you want something so much. You get so excited when you read a prophecy. Huh? Sometimes you get so excited, you even forget you get a prophecy. You're just glad somebody told you you're going to get what you want. But that's not necessarily faith, you know. Everybody understand that? That's not faith. That's you jumping for what you want. Huh? That's like a rich man says, jump up 12 times and I'll give you a new car. Well, who ain't going to jump? Uh, huh? Some of you with pride, you probably cross your fingers in the back or do something. You know, you, you're not wild about it. I don't know. Somebody promises you a new car if you jump up 12 times. I don't know. Some people might have so much pride. They ain't going to do that. Or you try to hustle. How about eight times? That's a turn of day in. What about eight times? Uh, 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 maybe, or, or maybe I could get a smaller version for six times, you know. And, and see, this, this is the thing that kills me. Because I see you. And I see you through God's eyes. And I know you're looking for better. And God wants to give you better because he wants you to be a witness. You know, sometimes in church you see people, they jumping up and down and they're praising God. God is good. God is good. If you stopped one of them, why is God good? Uh, he's just good. <laughs> why is God good? Uh, see, you've been house trained. Why is God good? Listen, every day, so no matter what day you come to church, every day, God has done something awesome. Every week, God has done something wonderful. That is, if you want him to do wonderful. If you don't want wonderful, you know, you get what you want. But sometimes we do that. We're just house trained. But we don't know about faith. We don't know about the love of God. You know, you, you wrestle in your life. For years, you're wrestling with this and that. Trying to make things work out. Ain't nothing working out. Hmm? But in your affliction, you must learn to cry out to God. And listen. Don't let yourself get angry with God. Because it's you that keeps making the mistakes. God has good for you. You know, sometimes we don't think we deserve good, so we keep punishing ourselves. Uh -huh. God loves you, you know. Uh, God loves you. There's nothing I want more for you in your life that you have a wonderful life and that are able to see it, you know. That you have that wonderful life and you're just a witness for God. 
I tried it my way, but my way didn't work. Huh? 30 years I tried my way. 40 years I tried my way. Didn't work. But then a little light from heaven filled my soul. Huh? What took me years to fail at, God was successful. Huh? See, you can say, yes, prophet, I hear what you're saying. That don't mean you believe it, you know. Something has to click inside. And you, you know what the thing is that has to click? You, you know what the problem is with believing and having true faith? The problem is the spirit of the world. There's still a part of you that wants to do it yourself. So you can boast. Huh? So you can boast. See, some... Some of you in here, God wants you to be very successful. He wants to give you a business that you would enjoy. And you could sit back and say, thank you, Lord. This is, this is what I always wanted. I didn't even know I wanted this. This is what I always wanted. Huh? That's the way I feel about Trinidad. Uh, you can hardly find Trinidad on the map, you know. Uh, and... Uh, Especially compared to where I'm from, you know, and long rides, you know, you, you, sometimes you got to make two trips to get a long ride in, in Trinidad, but I didn't know there's no Trinidad. I've been here 21 years and I never felt to leave because I know this is where God is. Hmm? This is where my joy is. And I have some wonderful people in this house that has served me and God for going on 20 years. Uh -huh. You don't find people that will remain faithful to you, especially when you don't give them no paycheck. Uh, that's like Nicole, Yolanda, Colleen, Josanne, you know, Victor, a lot, a lot of ministers in this house, they've been following me. 20 years, uh, no paycheck. Uh, don't tell me I ain't blessed. See, you don't find that. Uh, you don't even find family that like you that much. Uh, uh, see, this is a blessed house. If you just thank God for this house. Uh, you just thank God for this house. Huh? You know, if you don't like me, that's okay. Go find you a more prophetic person. But if you're going to be here, you thank God for it. And listen, you're going to be blessed. Because mm. where, where do you find a ministry where so many people for 20 years have stuck together, no paychecks, living by faith, Living wonderfully by faith. Some people don't think you can live by faith, but huh? But see, we like little birds. You you offer us a gift, we say, Oh, thank you very much. We, it's not like we deserve it, we just thank you. Huh? Because that's as thanks unto God. Huh? See, God wants you to have a life just like that. Don't have to be identical to that. God wants you to have a wonderful life. 
We come to save you from a bad life. Not just save you from being lost. If you're lost, you can't enjoy life. If you're lost, that means you're caught up in the world. You're caught up in that 8 billion people trying to be on top, trying to have the best. and Can't go to your neighbor's house without being jealous, you know. Or your neighbor gets a new car and you think, I want a new car. Or maybe you don't even have no car. God, what are they doing? How come I don't have no car? So you, you, you can't even be peace. A nice air-conditioned car, you going for a ride, you should be enjoying the ride. Uh, you can't enjoy life. Uh, your mind is so corrupt with the world. Uh, so corrupt with the world. Uh, you, you're in church, and you're thinking about romance. Uh, now listen, I love you, but I know who you are, you know. Uh, you think, ooh, that would make a good wife. Hello, this is not no wife shop. <laughs> it's not no wife shop. And my daughters you might not even like because they probably ain't got enough worldliness for your taste and they surely don't know how to make roti. That's how I keep them safe. I don't teach them how to make roti. <laughs> Men go down for anything, but in Trinidad, if you can't fix Rody, no, 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 no. No, no. God ain't in this. God ain't telling me to marry you. you know? <laughs> so, the person I'm talking to, I, I don't want you to feel bad. I just want you to understand, I know how your mind works. Uh, that's the spirit of the world. You, you think a wife or a husband's gonna make you happy. Not gonna make you happy, huh? You get your wife or a husband, you go to your neighbor's house or you go to family's meeting and you see somebody else with a wife with a little bit more curve and not so much landslide, you think, hmm. See, you're laughing, but the devil always laughs when he gets caught, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Your mind just goes there because it's so worldly. Huh? Because, see, if, if you have a wife with some landslides, you ain't on top, you know. You, you got a new car, but you got landslide over on the passenger seat, you know. The mind's stupid, you know. Uh, and you forget how faithful that person's been to you. And you forget how much that person has made roadie for you. You forget all that. Because your mind is controlled by the world. Uh, and the Lord's trying to say, hey, quit looking at that woman. That ain't no life. That's destruction. That's, that was your old way of life. Sometimes you don't want to let it go. Don't want to let it go. Huh? You used to work and you used to take a little money for yourself. And you pride yourself in being a good thief, you know. Uh, although you called yourself a businessman. 
but one day it catches up with you. And one day that thing's just controlling your mind. That's not the mind God wants for you. It's not the life God wants for you. Huh? But one thing you have to do is in your distress and afflictions, you gotta say, hey, these are my problems. My mama didn't make these problems. My daddy didn't make these problems. The angels didn't make these problems. And I wouldn't even blame it on the devil. Some Christians are always blaming everything on the devil. Huh? You know those curse words come out of your mouth. How you gonna blame it on the devil? It's your mouth. And you're gonna blame all the cursing on the devil. And it's your mouth. Huh? Sometimes you need to realize you got your own devil, you know. <laughs> Listen, how you ever going to repent in life if you blame everything on the devil or your mama? You can't repent. And I think a lot of Christians do that. They, they blame, I rebuke you, Satan. But you ain't never rebuking yourself, you know. And you've isolated the devil so much that you think, no, I'm still holy. He made me curse, but I'm still holy. No, you cursed. You guilty. Ah, you guilty. There wouldn't be no judgment if there was no guilt on mankind. If we all gonna say it's the devil, then we just watch the devil burn and all of us go to heaven. Oh no, we guilty. You gotta accept that. You gotta quit blaming it on people. And sometimes you gotta look at your life and realize it's not so holy. Uh, bad times, well, bad ways have caught up with you. And sometimes you need to realize maybe you was prosperous and, and maybe you wasn't doing nothing dishonest. But all at once it comes crashing down. Maybe it crashed down because you never once gave God praise for what you have. You throw out a hundred dollars, you say, here, here's a little something for you. Huh? Here's a little something. Used to be a man come to church a long time ago. He never put no money in the offering box. He always catch me and he folded up and he says, here. He say, here's a little something for you. Hello, am I selling weed in the house? What, what is this? You want to give me a hundred dollars? Give me a hundred dollars. Huh? I ain't got no pride. You want to give me a hundred dollars? Give me a hundred dollars. I ain't got no problem with that. Huh? If it's in your heart, give me a hundred dollars. Don't put it in this back street type of... <laughs> See, truth is man trying to win me over trying to buy me, trying to buy the prophet, trying to win the prophet off. Here's a little something for you. He never gave God anything. That makes me jealous, you know. You're always giving me something, but you ain't giving God nothing. Here's a little something for you. Trying to win you over. See, God taught me about that stuff a long time ago. world tries to win you over. Tries to buy the blood of Jesus. Tried to buy God's favor. No, 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 no. Listen, quit resenting God. 
Quit resenting the life that you have. That's what you made. Cry out to God. In fact, verse 15 says that when you're suffering, God will come to you. Because, see, that was his whole plan. You wanted to do it your way, so God says, okay, you, I'm going to let you do it your way, but I'm going to walk with you. But I'm going to act like I'm not with you, but I'm just, I'm just going to walk over here, okay? You just, you do your own thing, you know. And see, so you blind, you don't know what you're doing in life. So God walking with you. And then when you go down, he says, you ready to follow me? He wooing you. Huh? I've been waiting a long time to give you a better life. Hallelujah. Well, a mighty God. We serve. Huh? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We only got a couple minutes. Let's see if the Lord has one. One word for somebody. Lord, you have a word for anybody in the house this morning. We had a word for everybody, didn't you? Huh? Uh I see the back of the house is like it's like you're trying to get some work done on the back of your house it's like the back of the house trying to get some work done it's like you can't find nobody to to help you get the work done it's like it's, it's kind of in a bad shape and no matter what you do you just can't, can't seem to get that that part of the house fixed. Who am I talking to? Huh? It's the back part of your house, and not the front part. It's the back part of your house. Huh? It's the back part of your house. I'm talking to somebody. I see. I see it clear. I can almost draw it. That's nobody's house in here. That's him. Aha. Uh -huh. So that's you. So what's yes? What's going on with the back of your house? Well, it needs some repairs at the back of the house. Uh -huh. Um, the backyard, my walls, and every time I try. To put the money up to fix it. Huh. it always There's some kind of little gallery in the back of it, right? Yeah. All right. And, I, yeah. and it's just it's just getting in a mess. Yeah. It's almost like uh, it's, it's, it's almost like it's something just destroying it little by little. Yeah. And no matter how much you try to fix it, it just you, you you've had people that say they're gonna come but they don't come. Mm. Things is that true? Yeah, I just one guy when I asked him, he told me he would come. But then when I got the money to fix it, I use it back and using it back. All right. Every time I try, that's, that's keep happening. So, so, so you're saying it's mostly financially on your part? Yeah. All right. But there's, it's, there's been somebody, there's somebody 
that had promised to come and fix it, but something wasn't right. Yeah. Uh, something, something wasn't right with it. All right. Mm-hmm. So what, what is behind your house? Well, we have just a little island to the back of the house. Island? Just a little, a little area. Uh-huh. But what, what's beyond there? We have like a little small little warehouse, kind of a little smaller, like it, it looks like it's a bathroom kind of build up thing, but we store and, things and, in that. And that's yours, right? Yeah. All right. I see somebody that walks a lot back there. My husband, he always in the back there. He's always back there? Yeah, we have a, a dog, so he's always in the back there with the dog. He's just always walking around back yeah. there. But what I'm seeing as this person walks around back there, there's no grace. It's almost like, it's almost like the person goes back there maybe to get away from some pain or just, that's yeah, his way um, of... Well, there is my my big son. Um, when he comes there, and my other son, he feels uncomfortable with them because they're not his children. They are not his children. But I was with somebody for thirty years who was like their father, and separate from that relationship. And now you're with another one. This relationship All they right. makes him really uncomfortable. So All most right. time he don't be in the house. If I'm going to work, he's outside all the time, and. When he comes in, when he comes in, inside in the night, he goes to the back, and he's in the back there all, all right. the time. And See, he's also quarreling because in the state of the back there is there's no help. The, my the, the problem is he's not comfortable there. No. And, and what we're going to do, we're going to pray. Because if you're supposed to be together, you love this man? Yes, we have a peaceful relationship. Nice. We are very happy together. That's what I like to hear. You know, sometimes we're just not strong. He's, he's kind of a sensitive man too, right? Very, very. Yeah. So he, he, he picks up on the fact that maybe he's not wanted too much, or at least he thinks so. Yeah. And sometimes he may not. Do, do your children like him, or is there some room? I think it's because of the, my part, the relationship I was in before uh-huh. with their, like, their father so, and being so in this new not, relationship. Is, so they're just not too open to give him a chance. Right. All and right. he's coming into the home with us. I think that's the problem. because. Uh-huh. So he came in. Mm-hmm. All right. I got you. But the kids don't stay there all the time. One of my son lived there, but the big one, he don't live there. And every time he comes sometimes, he like show talk to him. And that kind of makes He does what? Like chores, like, oh, you come here and sit this here, and you come here and sit that there. All right. And sometimes I'm not there, that's when he does it. All right. So I'm going to pray for this man. You're not married to him, right? No, we're supposed to get married, but we put it off. All right. I'm going to pray for him, right? That if, if God has approved of something, God has approved of it. And I'm going to pray that he be comfortable. In, in that place. He don't feel comfortable there, so he goes to the back. But in the back, he's, he's toiling inside. Yeah, and that toiling is so, cre- creating a darkness back there. That's why it can't get fixed. Yeah, because sometimes mm-hmm. I hear him talking in the back there, oh, they, they're curling for this and they're curling for that and they're not even helping do anything. All in right. The so I'm going to pray that the Lord just touch him. Yes? 
This, this ain't something man can do, but it's something God can do, right? That he feels comfortable there. And that the kids say, you know, listen, mama's got a, got a, a right to her own life. I got you, something they're not given to me. All right, well, we're going we gonna to see if the Lord can get that through their brain some way or another. <laughs> that this is mama, and if this man makes mama happy, we're going to leave it this way. Yes, God can speak to people. You don't have to be saved for God to speak to you, you know. God spoke through a donkey. He, he can speak through any. He'll speak to you. And all at once they're there. Hmm, that's true. They think it's their idea because they still worldly. They don't realize that God can do that kind of thing. But we're praying for that right now. I can't do nothing about this. You can't do nothing about this. But the God we serve, we're just going to put that in his hand. Yes. But he showed, he showed me the man. He showed me the back. That's why it's not getting finished. Because sorrow's back there. And, and, and distress is back there because he don't feel comfortable. I'm going to pray that he starts to feel comfortable. He says, hey, you and I, we're one. And the kids, they just going to have to come along. Because your kids are grown, ain't they? Yeah, they're a big mountain. How, how old is the one that's that stays there? He's 30. 30? 31 next year. Huh? <laughs> nah. Mama needs to kick him out. You know? <laughs> Let him go find his own place. That's what he doesn't want to do because I'm telling him that all the time. Uh -huh. I say, no, I have been taking care of you from since uh -huh. you leave school to now. So he's a and big... And been living with me. So he's a big there. baby, huh? <laughs> maybe I maybe try to be a big baby. Maybe I could pray a prayer that you know some uh, some roadie baker come along and <laughs> take him on down the road somewhere. All right. We're just gonna put all of this in God's hands. Yes. So I'm seeing a blue gray color. What is that? Uh, the blue gray color. That's the color I want to paint the house in for this year. All right. You met with God. Hmm? You've met with God today. He's heard you. That's all you got to believe. And if he's heard you, he's going to fix this problem. Amen. Glory to God. Father, just touch the entire family. Touch him. And Father, just erase everything. And let these two individuals have a wonderful relationship together, Father. And give them the life that you want them to have. Daughter, it is done. Have faith in God. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, there's some problems like that. You, you can't work on it. Money don't fix it. You, you just got to trust God. But once you believe in your heart, see, I know she believes. Especially when I told her about that blue paint. That's why God spoke that. God, God don't show out. He spoke that. So you believe. Huh? I said, it's going to come to pass. Huh? Yeah. There's so much God wants for you in your life. But you got you to let your hostility down. You got to say, Lord, hmm, fix my life. Boy, I've been doing this thing. And some of you say that, you know. You say, all my life I had to take care of myself. So was God on vacation? Uh-huh. 
God went on no vacation. Your life would have been easier if you'd listened to him. But I'm not here to condemn you. Just like Christ, I come to save you. I come to let you know, hey, it don't matter. It don't matter how many years you waste. The last years of your life, God can make it so blissful. Personally, my life, I don't know how many lives I've lived. That's not no hocus pocus thing. I've, I've had many lives. I'm 63 and I've had many lives. And you know how I had many lives? Because I realized when one life is over, all right, let me let go of that. Sometimes you got to walk away from everything. Let go of that life. Go to the next life. Go to the next life. The light is leading you to a better life. Be willing to let go. God has a better life for you. Amen. You're going to have a wonderful, wonderful week this week. If you want to. I, I don't want to force that on nobody. It's your decision. But, but if you would like, you can have a wonderful week this week. God is with you. He's not going to forget about you. Just trust the light. Huh? And when it's all dark in your life, just close your eyes for a moment and the light will come. Be blessed. <laughs>